Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Corey Smith. Corey is currently an assistant coach at McNicholas High School in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've known Corey for, geez, over 10 years now. We played high school baseball together. Corey was a great player. He transitioned to being a catcher, actually, and he talks a little bit about that transition in this episode, but also how he goes about coaching catchers and just his entire high school coaching experience so far. Some of the things that he's learned along the way, some of the things that he's changed throughout his coaching career. So I, I've met Corey a few times actually prior to even doing this podcast, and we've we've talked baseball off and on, and he, he's really in this for the right reason. I mean, he's anyone who coaches high school baseball in general is in it for the right reason because you're not making anything. You're probably losing money, if anything. But I think just Corey's very, very passionate, growth mindset, continually wants to get better. And after interviewing him on this podcast, I mean, I think the world of him as a coach, he's he's constantly, again, learning and, and pushing himself. And as the players that he that he has are extremely lucky that, that he's able to pretty much volunteer his time um, daily at McNick High School. So I think everyone who loves the game of baseball, who is interested in high school baseball, will enjoy this episode with Corey as he yeah, gives a take on his own experience in, in the high school game and some of the things that he's focusing on with his players this past offseason and going into the season. This podcast is sponsored by Driveline Plus. Driveline Plus is a growing library of the best information on player development. Driveline is currently at the forefront of everything when it comes to data-driven development. It's something that I've constantly, I'm always checking out their Twitter feed, their content that they're putting out because I personally am always looking for an edge as a coach and I think that they do a fantastic job of not just assuming that they already know something but they are constantly pushing themselves to learn more and to collect data and test and reassess and it's something that I've been following them for a long time they do a fantastic job they put out a ton of good content on driveline plus I remember looking at it just even a few years ago, and it's even bigger and better now. So if you're a coach or a player who wants to be a part of an online community, who wants to learn more and be able to help out more players or coaches or whoever it is that you're trying to serve, go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus and type in code JONES25 for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. So drivelinebaseball.com slash plus and type in coupon code JONES25 for $25 off. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Corey Smith. All right, we are now live with Corey Smith. Corey, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. So I know we're, we're snowed in here in Cincinnati right now recording this episode but you've been working really hard all offseason getting your players ready to roll for the spring you're coaching at mcnick high school i believe correct me if i'm wrong this is your fifth year coaching high school baseball and second year on varsity correct correct so my first question to you is like what what are what have you learned so far being a high school baseball coach the last five years it's uh it's an honor to be on first off I've always wanted to jump on this podcast. I think uh, talking high school sports is 
really fun. And I think it's very beneficial for kids to hear this um, coming from a coach who's been through a couple ranks as far as uh, high school level goes. Um, what I've learned is basically trying to slow the game down. That was a big thing for me to start. Um, basically controlling the game. Kids are going to learn at their own pace. So that's a big thing that I needed to learn coming in was that not everybody's going to be on the same level. People are going to come from different backgrounds, um, different lifestyles. Some kids are going to play high summer ball. Some kids are not going to have that high talent-wise summer ball. You know, um, Some are going to come in from rec league, but that's all okay because what we try to do, what I try to do, is teach everybody the same fundamentals and get them all on the same page at their own pace. Um, that was kind of tough to start. I didn't know exactly how to do it. There's a lot of bumps in the road, but I, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on it now where instead of just trying to coach and be so hands-on, I'll grab a couple guys who gravitate toward the drills that we do and have them teach the other kids who might be a step behind and I'll have them teach in their own terms because you know Patrick you know as well as I do that the game has changed so much and well we're we've been graduated since high school for what 14 years now it's yeah. crazy but um <laughs> back when we were seniors the terminology has completely changed and uh we're now talking exit velocity we're talking launch angle we're talking all these things that I I didn't know back in the day you know um, spin rotation and stuff like that. So kids are getting wrapped up in that. And I've had to learn, I'd have, I'd have to take a step back and really learn all that, all that background, you know, so I could try to dumb it down, not, not dumb it down, but keep, keep it in their terms, keep it simple. Um, but my big thing is to have a couple players that can coach the other kids while I'm instructing and maybe moving on couple kids get grabbed by a leader and, hey, this is what I saw you doing. Um, what he's talking this, this is what he actually means. Um, or relax, man. Like, are you pressing too much? Just relax. It's a drill. It's okay to fail. So that's a big thing for me is basically just stepping back, doing a breakdown instruction, um, and having kids coach themselves. Because once they start talking the game, they're going to start realizing what the game is all about, and they'll learn the game a lot more from that sense. So that's the biggest thing that I've taken from high school baseball is kids are kids will learn at their own pace, and they need to start coaching themselves. I love that uh, kind of just philosophy of it being more player driven, and you know, kind of kudos to you for having the humility really to step back and because I think that's what. I think sometimes coaches have struggle with is if they're not the ones explaining the the drill or whatever it is, you know, the situation and, and they're not the ones talking, they feel like that they're not adding value, but you're, you're probably adding more value by putting this system in that you have where, you know, it's, it's players run. And, you know, whether it is like you mentioned a guy, you know, probably an upperclassman, one of the better players who understands what you're trying to get them to do, and then they can explain it to a younger player who may already look up to them. And now, you know, that's how you really just create that culture and create that buy-in and that younger players probably really going to, you know, gravitate towards 
that upperclassman and grasp what he's what he's trying to learn too. So uh, I guess my my only follow up would be like how or why did you decide to do that? Was it just something that did you talk to somebody or did you just figure that out on your own that hey what I'm saying like it it was working but I feel like this other way where players if it if it's players run it'll be it'll work better. So a couple couple people have been involved with me in that process. Um, start with my dad. My dad was a longtime baseball coach and he coached softball. Um, just loved being around the game, but he coached me all the way up until eighth grade. And then he took a step back and he basically was like, Hey, I'm done coaching. You You need to learn from somebody else at this point, get different exposure. They know a little bit more than I do that kind of thing. But the big thing that he told me was that coaches will coach, but they can't play the game for you. So you have to let them control their own destiny. You have to let them, you know, control their practice. They run the practice. All we can do is set it up for them. You know, we can give them the tools to succeed. We can break it down. We can tell them as to why we're doing such a drill and how that's beneficial. But for them to get the most out of it, they're the ones that have to do it. You know, like I said, we can't play the game anymore, but we're on the sidelines. We can guide you through it. So that was uh, my dad taught me that way back when, when he stopped in eighth grade. So I kind of translated that after being a freshman coach, I kind of would come home and some days would be better than the others. And I call him after every game and he's like, just have them run it, you know, set something up, have them break it down and see how they feel after ask, ask them questions, have them respond to you, you know, hear what they have to say. Maybe you can learn their own, their terms. Like I talked about earlier, Maybe you're saying stuff in different ways that they've never heard before. They don't comprehend it. Nobody really wants to speak up and be made a fool of in practice. You know, it's they're they're all buddies at school and they're you're gonna get ribbed. But maybe maybe you just need to break it down in a different way. So he taught me that. Um, and then high school, I had a position change where I had to go from middle infield to a catcher role, and I was really relying on an upperclassman to catch me up to speed quick. I think it was a two-month turnaround where I had to learn all the ins and outs of catching. I had done it before. I had put the pads on. I, I know how to catch a ball, but I didn't know how to receive a ball. I didn't know how to properly block a ball. I didn't know how to think the game. You know, you're those guys are a silent coach behind the uh, plate. You know, you're, you're the second coach. You're seeing everything from from back of the, the backstop. You know, you're watching everything develop, and you have to be that leader and that was something that I really relied on an upperclassman to teach me because the coach taught me all the fundamentals. But when it comes to talking the game and like, hey, this is what I saw, like maybe you're he- too hesitant here. Like, go ahead and pick them off. Be aggressive. You know, I learned that from an upperclassman, a senior teaching me as a junior on how to play. I really do appreciate that, that mentor, you know, him being a mentor toward me and um, take me under his wing. I, I really looked up to him and I couldn't wait to be in that role the next year and take the underclassmen and bring them up, you know? So that's, uh, I'd have to say having that experience with my dad, having experience with an underclass or an upperclassman teaching an underclassman being myself, that was really what dictated me carrying that over into coaching, you know? So. Well, yeah, it clearly made an impact, right? I mean, you, you, you can definitely just tell by the way you said that, you know, all these years later, you still vividly remember 
uh, you know, that upper upperclassman making that impact on you and, and you wanted to return the favor. So um, appreciate you, you sharing that. And I, I'm sure that the, the players enjoy that they're, that they're involved too. And they feel like they have that ownership when it comes to, you know, running, help running the practice and, and being involved in, in that kind of a thing. When it comes to the off season, I, I don't, what I've always said, Corey is, no matter like who you are, if you're, you know, what level of coaching, like you got to coach high school baseball for at least a year or two, just to understand like the time and space constraints on high school coaches, you will then understand and, and will not complain anymore about coaches not getting, you know, enough done or whatever it is, because it's really freaking hard just because of, again, time and space. So how, how do you go about helping players develop? Maybe we'll just start in the off season when, when, you know, there's guys, clusters of guys in a cage and just everyone running around and you only have so much time. So with the off season, it's really tough in high school. Um, It's completely different from college and, we can both talk on that for hours upon hours, you know, where college you're expected to be in the lifting or you're expected to be in the weight room right away. And you're playing fall ball and your off season conditioning in the winter is every single day, mandatory practices and mandatory lifts and multiple times a day. High school, we don't have that luxury. Um, as much as we would love to coach all year round, we can't. Um, in Ohio, I don't know about other states, but we're not allowed to be hands on until about tryout time. Um, I don't know the exact date, but we, can, we can't instruct. We can only help, if that makes sense. So we can't run a full practice. We can only be there to supervise. And if somebody has a question as to what am I doing wrong, we might be able to help a little bit, but we can't go full hands-on. Um, so really, season starts maybe first week of April. And we've got about a month and a half to put together a full team with tryouts to running practice to right into games. So off-season conditioning, um, for those who don't play football, I know a lot of kids are multi-sport athletes. Um, so if you don't play football, we open up a strength and conditioning program. We have a, we're blessed with a strength coach now at McNick. Um, he basically runs the show there. If you're a baseball player, he is uh, very good about not going over the shoulders, basically strengthening every other part of your body, strengthen, strengthening the core, um, doing everything in a baseball mindset. Now, football, we allow them to lift with football after their, their season's done, but same thing applies, no, nothing over the shoulders. Um, we'll strengthen them, but we're not going to go overhead press, you know, anything to tear a ligament and blow out your, blow out your arm before the season starts. Uh, we do a lot of plyometrics, do a lot of ladder drills, speed and conditioning. It's a big thing for us. Uh, we put that in about two years ago. We've seen some pretty good results off that. Uh, basically, perfect form running. Um, we'll offer that a couple times throughout the week, um, as well as lifting. So that's uh kind of game for us. But it's not mandatory. It's pretty optional. But we try to have fun with it. I'll try to have a little game with it and explain to the kids, like, hey, if we just bust through an hour like you're you're gonna get better i promise you we'll do it like 40 time and then we'll we'll test it in october and then all of a sudden come season time we'll run another 40 and see how fast you got you know maybe you shed a couple seconds maybe you shed a whole lot of them and next thing you know you're a speed demon you're you're stealing bases 
Um, so we kind of make it fun in that way. We try to make conditioning as fun as possible. But we offer that multiple times throughout the week up until um, tryout time. We uh, we have a couple cages. We have an indoor facility out in Amelia, and we have an in, in, indoor facility, um, a hit shack over near our school, which one of our parents um, on the team, he has blessed us. And uh, we'll offer opening open hitting multiple times throughout the week, but we'll break it up where seniors and juniors will go late. Most of them drive, and then we'll offer uh, for about an hour, hour and a half for the underclassmen, uh, sophomores and freshmen. We'll have them come in for an hour and a half, and coaches will be there to uh, kind of set up, give them a couple options they can do. And then, like I said, nothing's mandatory, but they get a lot of swings in, keep them moving, keep them interested, and then wait till trial time and go balls to the wall there, you know? Do you have a, a certain philosophy when it comes to hitting? I mean, I was just, I've been reading online and there's different programs of different, not necessarily even high school, but for one, it's, you know, just hitting, hit strikes hard. Right. And it's, Hey, if, if any, if you, if you knew anything about the program, it's, Hey, they believe in just hitting strikes hard. And so like, that's the mindset and philosophy from the time that they're young all the way up until they're, you know, an upperclassman. Is there anything like that that you guys emphasize with the players? I have three um, little bullet points that I like to teach with my hitting with my group of guys from top level varsity all the way down to freshman level. It's uh, the first one is basically we're going to learn how to play small ball. It's high school sports. Everybody should know how to bunt. Everybody should know how to hit and run uh, suicide squeeze. We're going to teach you the game, teach you the old school way of doing things. It's turn into a power game. And we're going to teach you the small ball way of doing things because small ball does win games. If you come to think about it, and it, I know high school sports and we'll talk about it later. It's not all about the record, but it's all about developing the kids. And I, I remember a kid that I talked to, I won't name names here, but he uh, was committed D one and he had never laid down a button in his entire life. Didn't even know how to bunt. So one day he was traveling with the summer team. I'm just watching them and they give him the bunt sign. He had no idea what to do. And that's where I want to get away from that. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but, you know, those big situations come. And let's say our offense isn't clicking. This pitcher just has our number, you know, like, and our kids are getting frustrated. What are we going to do? We're going to play a little small ball, you know, get people on base, get them moving, then generate some offense that way. You know, get a kid on first, have him hit and run. He gets on second base. Now the pitcher's thinking. And maybe he gets a little wild, then he starts walking, you know. That, and then all of a sudden, you know, bases are loaded. He gives up a cookie, and now we're up a couple runs. So that's a big thing for me is teaching a lot of small ball early, get it out of the way, and just consistently drive in that idea like, hey, be ready. We might have to do this. Depending on how we're hitting that day, we're going to have to go small. Um, second is um, I teach a lot of, a lot of drills to keep it simple. Um, I try to keep it simple as possible because I want players to develop their own swings. Everybody's swings are going to be different, but I want them to be able to repeat um, something that is quick to the ball, uh, pound the strike zone, you know, hit strikes. But I want them to be able to utilize the ground, which is my third point. A lot of kids aren't utilizing the ground enough um, and they get real handsy. So I teach them, a, I try to develop this quick, easy, repetitive swing 
and then let them figure out their power, you know, and that power is going to come from the third point, which is utilizing the ground, getting that front foot down. You know, you're going to get fooled every once in a while. And getting that front foot down is crucial. Uh, if you start your swing, you can't start a swing with your foot up in the air. Um, so my big thing is drive that front foot down into the ground. That way you can utilize your hips and then your hands kind of lag behind. Next thing you know, you get a whiplash. Then you got more barrel control. You know, you're hitting gap to gap. You open up all fields and now, now you've got your pool ball. Now you've got that backside push ball, you know. Um, so basically making kids realize that you don't have to have that big leg kick. You don't have to have this big looping swing to generate offense. You can have a short, sweet swing like a Mike Trout, Andrew McCutcheon. I, I show them videos of that all the time. Look how short and sweet your swings are. Look how easy it is to repeat. You can look at an inside fastball, outside middle pitch, and they have the same swing. They just start at a different time. And maybe they go down with the pitch a little bit, but they're repeating the same process throughout the same at bat, you know, where same same approach in the batter's box. They step in, they take a deep breath, they dig in, they lock in on the pitcher. They're focusing on the same spot, you know, and they're trying to get the same goal, which is to reach base. So keeping it simple, stupid is basically the same term I use. We heard it all in math class growing up. I do, I try to get that with our hitters. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned McCutcheon and Trout and those guys, and really just any professional or big league hitter. I mean, nobody's thinking about mechanics in the box when they're when they're seeing facing live pitching. So it, it doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense to really emphasize that in the cages either, because then you start getting them thinking about mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. And, you, you know, hey, like then you you can't be surprised when they get in the game and start overthinking and, and blaming mechanics for when they they don't do do well versus, you know, learning how to compete and, and some of the other things that that you had just mentioned right there. Now, when you going back to the, the bunning, do you emphasize, or do you guys work on the, the bunning for hit or just sacrifice bunning? We do both. Um, we do a lot of sacrificing to start off. And I might grab a couple guys who I know might, especially lefties. We know lefties can lay down bunts and get out of the box faster than right-handers. Um, so we'll, st- we'll stress the sacrifice bunt to start, and then we'll gradually move into I go from sacrifice bunt to the hit and run and then suicide squeeze. And then I'll go into the drag bunt. So that'll be my last line of offense where we play small ball, but I'll grab a couple guys who I know can lay down that bunt who are good bunters, good sacrifice bunters and have a little bit of speed that can get out of the box quick and know how to lay it down the proper way, you know? Um, But sacrifice is a big thing for us. Um, got to be able to lay down the bunt in a crucial situation even if it's for an out giving up yourself got to be able to do it so well i think that's a that's the thing um that is confusing to some some out there is just that the difference between i would say high school varsity baseball college baseball and really every other level of baseball other than the major leagues because and i mentioned those two specific because those two are more so about winning it's about winning games right and so you talk about travel baseball or even just freshman or jv um, in the minor leagues all these other levels it's not about winning and so that's why you don't really see a ton of the small ball type stuff you know drag bunny and things like that 
and, and again, there's, like you said, there's a time and place for everything, right? I mean, you're not having your very best hitter up there sack bunning, but you know, I, I think the thing too, that I think about at the high school level is, you know, everyone wants to feel like not every kid is going to play college baseball. And so every kid wants to feel like they're making a positive impact on the team and helping the team. And maybe they're not the greatest hitter in the world, but you know, you give them, you know, the bun signs or you know, bun for hit or whatever it may be. And, and they move the runner when maybe they didn't really have much of a chance to get on base or whatever the situation is. Now they feel really good about themselves. They helped out the team. All their teammates are picking them up. So I think that that is an element of, of high school varsity baseball that I think is unique to some of the other levels um, other than college. When it comes to how you guys go about your lineup and playing to win that day, I mean, is it every day you're putting your best lineup out there to win, or is it just against league opponents? How do you go about that? So we we like to do the best nine. Uh, just every like day. any other. Yeah, I would say every day. Um, now it's constantly going to change. Maybe we'll play a, a, an opponent that we know we should be able to control pretty easily. We might might switch things up, give a guy a day's rest. It should be a plug and place attitude where we can put anybody out there, depending on who's on the team. We should be able to put all nine guys out there with even our backups. Our backups should be starters in my mind. It's kind of like the Andy Reid. If you watch football, Andy Reid will put anybody out there. You know, everybody's got a role on the team. Everybody should be able to handle a situation. So, but right now um, I would say yes, High school is your best nine, um, depending on what's going on that week. You know, one guy might be hot, and you don't want to take that hot bat out of the lineup, you know, or this guy's a defensive gem every single day. He's going to lock it down for us. You know what? He gets the ball. But you're always one error away from stepping right back in that lineup. Um, and with high school sports, like you said, it's it's not – if you're in high school coaching – to have the best record, you're in it for the wrong reasons. It's not about the money. We don't get paid a lot. It's not about the overall record. Sure, it's about winning a state title, but it's about developing the kids and that mindset of them having to work every single day. Every day is a trial. You know, they have to constantly work for their position. If they're not doing that, they're complacent. Once you get complacent, you die as a hitter, you die as a athlete, you die as a fielder, you know? So, that's what we try to tell them is like, we're going to put the best nine out there, the best nine that are there for that week. You know, who have the best attitudes might not have the best talent, but you know what? You showed up at practice. You showed up early. You got your stuff done. You didn't give any excuses. You did your job the right way and you earned your spot in the lineup. All right. That's basically how we, we handle our top nine. So that's, it might not be the best talent, per nine, but it's the best athletes all around with your attitude, your effort, um, basically giving it your all. We notice everything. So that's how we kind of control our nine. Two, two follow-up questions. One, have you ever had a player have a bad attitude? I, I hate using that word, but I'll just say it. Have a bad attitude, one. And then two, how did you deal with it if they weren't playing? I have in the past, and that's a fine line. It'll go more in depth, like the parent conversation, which I'm sure we're going to get into later on. Um, but we like to address the player first. Um, I'm not going to, like I said, name any names. I would never do that. But I've had a couple players that basically 
were mouthing off to us and not not really realizing why we're doing this thought it was monotonous um didn't put any effort into the drills and the kid behind him was there locked in every single day and just drove it home for us that hey that guy deserves to be in the lineup you know he's not as good talent wise as a kid in front of him but you know what he's putting in the effort he deserves that spot until that guy realizes what he has done to his own position then he has to sit with us and then ask questions and then we brought we brought we brought in a couple guys a couple coaches and uh, the AD didn't get involved at the time because we I felt like we handled it pretty well, but sat the kid down. He asked why he wasn't playing. We broke it down. We said, hey, look, at practice, when we asked you to do this, this, and this, kind of gave us some lip. Um, it's not really respecting your coach. It's not respecting the game. You're not respecting your players even. You know, you're, you're not giving out your best effort. So, therefore, the kid behind you has – He's getting he's getting our top dog position. You know, he's getting one of the nine until you can give me 100 percent effort for the two hours that we might practice or less. You're going to be right here with us. So uh, kind of upset him. And I understand I could I could see myself in that position. But come next week, I think it was a Friday leading into a Saturday game. And then come Monday, the kid just showed out. And he was the first one there, first one in uniform, first one to practice, last one. He asked me to stay behind for a couple couple minutes to work on something, you know, and then he earned his spot right back. He was one error away, you know, and that one error happened. He found himself in the lineup and never got out of it. So it ended so, up really benefiting not just the team, but him personally, too, by you guys actually put setting him down and him not playing. Correct. It felt like it. It took that mindset of, oh, I'm a best, I'm one of the best players. I need to be in the lineup too. Oh, oh man, like I, I can't be in the lineup all the time if I keep putting forth this effort and my attitude needs to improve. And he turned out to be a silent leader. You know, he would be not the most outspoken kid, but he was the one that was helping kids on the side. Like, hey, don't do what I did. You know, like let's go. We're we're five minutes of practice. You're messing around. Like, let's go. Let's get ready. Let's get in. And get out. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Good, criti- good uh, constructive criticism. Um, it's a hard conversation to have, but it's a very beneficial if you do if you go about it the right way. And I'm sure, I mean, that benefited him not just for that time period too, but just going forward in the rest of his life too, right? I mean, he, I mean, that's he's going to be a better teammate wherever he ends up working at and have that experience. So I think that's. I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I wasn't expecting you to have a, a good, a happy ending to that story, but that really was a happy ending. How do you guys go about uh, talking to the parents about playing time? And is that an issue? So I would, this is, this is probably the hardest part about high school sports. I think this is a make or break between high school to college to professional. Your parents aren't going to be there in high school and college or uh, college and professional hold your hand anymore and we're trying to break that at the high school level um we to start off we basically tell the kids from day one that if you have an issue we want you to bring it up to us we want you to be able to talk to us we're adults but you need to learn how to talk to adults kind of thing like you need to learn a level of respect um and level of confidence when talking to us you know and uh if you have an issue, we want, we want to hear it and we'll work it out. And if we can't 
work it out, then we might have to bring the parents involved. But I think it's hard. I don't have any kids, to be honest. Um, but parents are going to be protective over the kids. It's just nature of the beast. Um, every kid wants to see their kids succeed. Every every parent wants to see uh, their kid in the starting lineup every day. It's hard for them to come to every game, you know, and see their kids sit the bench. But I think they feel to real fail to realize that their kids have an important role on the team when they make the team. You know, your kid, let's say Jimmy. Jimmy doesn't play every day, but Jimmy is one of the best leaders when it comes to helping us at practice, you know, scouting reports. Uh, he he pushes other kids along, you know, he's got that team role. Um, so we, we do pretty well with our parents realizing that we're going to put best interest into who's in the starting lineup and, um, it's well-deserved that they're in the lineup. We're not just going to play favorites. We don't have any favorites. All of them are our favorite. If we could play everybody, we would. But uh, I think with the world of social media, we're starting to see an outburst of bad parenting. And it's that's that fine line that I'm talking about. It's, you don't want to hear that you're a bad parent, but you go on Instagram or Twitter and you see all oh, a fan, uh, a parent punched a, punched a ref, you know? Or um, kid was pulled off the playing field for not having playing time, like the Antonio Brown situation. I know his parents weren't there, but that was kind of the same situ- situation where parents get upset and they're taking their kids right out of the game and not having them fend for themselves and learn the game the right way. So one of the biggest things that I try to tell the parents if they have an issue is – maybe talk to your kid, you know, ask him what's going on at practice before you come to us. Like ask, let's say, Jimmy, Jimmy, what's going on in practice? Are you, are you, do you feel like you're getting the best work in? Do you think you're getting a fair opportunity? Um, have him talk to you first. And then we offer a 24 hour rule where we let after a game, you have 24 hours. You have to sit on that 24 hours before coming up to a coach and asking as to why your kid didn't play or, why you went through that situation as to sending a runner or um, pitching changes, you know, 24 hour rule is let them sit on it, eat it for a little bit, see if they'll calm down. And then we'll talk as civil human beings and see if we can come to an agreement as to why we did this, um, this uh, situational move, you know, but I think, uh, with the parents, like I said, it's a fine line between upsetting them and having them understand where we're coming from. Like I said, we're high school high school coaches. We're not getting paid a bunch to do this. A lot of us don't even have skin in the game. We don't have a kid going to that school. We're doing it just because we love the game and we love developing kids and uh, we want to see them succeed. Yes, but it's not all about the W at the end of the day. It's all about what they get out of it, you know trying to get them to the next level if they want to get to that next level. And um, the biggest thing I could tell parents, if you have issues with what I say, is go pick up Matheny Manifesto. Mike Matheny came out with a book a couple of years ago when he was a St. Louis Cardinals manager, and it was Mike Matheny Manifesto. And it was one of the greatest reads I've read from a manager in baseball. 
And I didn't know this, but he was a little league coach before he turned into a St. Louis Cardinals coach. And uh, he wrote this letter to the parents basically saying, let your players play, let your coaches coach, and you parent. You have the best job in the world. You're a parent. You know, spectate. Sit back, relax, let the game unfold. You know, watch from the outfield. Watch from that left field line, you know. Crack a beer a couple times, you know. Just relax and watch your kid have fun. Once you take the fun out of the game for the kids, the kid's never going to recover from that. You can't force the kid to play the game. You can't force him to be the best athlete. He's got to have that drive within him. Once you take it away, he's done, in my mind. And that was a big thing that he hammered home is let them play multiple sports, you know. Let them develop this athleticism. You can't, with all the training and whatnot, it's good and all, but you're you're teaching these kids to be one-dimensional instead of all-around athletes. And I think Barry Larkin was one who said, play all the sports, you know, be that football player, be that basketball player. You're going to train different parts of your body. You're training this different muscles, but you can't just hammer home one sport and you can't drive them to the point of exhaustion every single day and just let them have fun with the game. You know, fun is all what this game is all about. If you're not having fun, you're in it for the wrong reason. So that's what what I would say, and that's basically what we try to drive home with our parents is just sit back and relax and let them have fun. You have a problem, 24 hours, we'll talk about it. And we'll try to get the best out of those situations, you know, trying to keep your kids' interest in mind. We're trying to get them on the field, but maybe his role is to help us out, you know. So. Yeah, I've I've never met anybody who the more fun that they had, the worse that they played. And so, and I'm talking about, I, I just had on Dave Anderson, who has been in professional baseball for over 40 years, played 10 years in the, in the big leagues. I mean, the guy's seen it all. And, you know, he said, you know, I, everything changed when I was like, you know, I'm just going to have fun. Like, I'm just going to have fun. And that was when he was 25, 26 years old. So I, I think the, the thing with the, the parents is tricky. And again, I know we're not parents yet, but we are sons. And so we know what it feels like to be on the field and have our parents there. And there's, there's nobody more you want to make, you want to impress in a sense than your parents, right? You want your parents to be proud of you. And, and so when you do struggle and fail out on the field, the first thing you look for a lot of times is your parents' reaction. And so when they put their head down or their face in their, in their hand and that type of thing, that can rub you, you know, a little bit. And like you just talked about, take the fun out of it, which in turn, you know, makes, doesn't make you a better player. If anything, it's going to make you a little bit worse probably because you're not having fun. You're uptight and you can't play this game uptight and, and, and overthinking different elements of it. Um, when, when you mentioned that you had that 24 hour rule, how many kids come up to you after the, the 24 hour rule? I'd say I've had maybe a handful. Not so many. I'd, I'd say maybe four at, best and uh i mean it was something as easy as why am i not playing well he's having a better week this week and i felt like he deserved it a little bit more now if you have an issue with where you're playing maybe we think about moving you to another position there's an opening here we're a little soft have you ever played this position before you know um you might be able to help us out there and it it wasn't a it wasn't a detrimental conversation it was more along the lines of what can I do to get on the field basically me breaking it down or 
another coach breaking it down and saying, hey, this is what we can do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to get you on the field one way or another. You just have to follow through and really bust in order to get there, you know. So that's – I've only had a couple. I think they really, really realize if we stress that early that it's an option, but it's a last resort. Yeah. yeah. The, the better you play, the better you practice, the more likely it is you're going to play in the game. That's right. what it, it comes down to. So, yeah, I mean, those are all all great points to hit home. And I know you had mentioned you have a catching background and, you know, you caught in high school and if you've worked with catchers. How do you go about helping out the catchers for um, for McNick? We do a lot of six on ones. Um, I'll grab them Monday and Fridays and we're allowed to do six individuals or uh, whatever. And I think I have four guys right now that will be consistently there Monday and Friday. And we'll do breakdown drills for an hour. I'll try to get them in, try to get them out. Players, you know, this high school, you have a lot going on. You've, you've got girls on your mind. You've got studies and uh, you, you want to go home, and watch sports. It's so the quicker I get them in, get their job done, break it down, simple, get them moving on, the better off I'm going to be. So I do a lot of those breakdown drills in an hour time where we'll work on receiving one day. It's all going to be different receiving drills. And um, then the next day will be secondary, like throwing out a runner and what our footwork is going to be, drive home the footwork for maybe a week and then run into blocking for the week after that and then try to go back to that original first week receiving drill and see if we kept everything there and then if they if we haven't we go back and focus on that you know just constantly build each week and move them forward with five ten minute drills and then keep their interest in line you know they all want to be better catchers and better hitters and just try to keep their focus there and um, stress these drills that will be quick easy painless and just get in, get out, get your work done. And I've seen a lot of good results from that. I feel like our catchers have really um, benefited from that five, 10 minute drill because they, they focus in for those five, 10 minutes, then it's on to the next thing, you know, then their mind completely flips. It's a new thing for them. They tried for five, 10 minutes and boom, into the next thing. So um, that's basically what I do each week up until the season. Then we'll really hit home. We'll spend a little more time per station and uh, still keep it short and sweet, but really drive home mechanical issues that I see or really talk about thinking the game, thinking outside the box, thinking what you would think as a hitter. And then when calling pitches or, Hey, I've got a base runner on first base. He's getting a little too big of a lead for me. You know, I'm going to snap him off on the next pitch and I'm going to make sure that the pitcher knows pitch it outside. I'm going to go ahead and throw it. You know, do you, do you call the pitches or do they? So right now we do call pitches. Um, eventually down the road, I would like for catchers to call the game. Um, that was a big thing that I learned in high school too. Uh, I called my own pitches for the most part. I think it really only had a handful of times where a coach would tell me like, hey, you, we want this right now. But I would learn the pitcher's arms, um, know their arm slide, know what's working that day, you know, their curveball's on. You know, I'm going to lead up with that fastball, drop that curveball in. Or you know what, I'm going to lock that guy up and oh-oh, and I'm going to throw two curveballs right down the middle of the plate and he's just going to be frozen. You know, then the world, world is mine. I can throw whatever I want on that 0-2 pitch. Um, so I would like for them to eventually get to that point where they're calling their own game because they're the ones seeing it. 
We see it from the sidelines. We see it from an angle. We're not seeing how close that batter is to the, uh, to the plate. We're not seeing how far up he is in the box. We're not seeing what his swing looks like from the back. You know, his hands could be lagging. We might pick up on it, but he's the one that sees it right away, you know? Right. So if he's lagging, bust him inside, you know, call that pitch yourself. Get that get that camaraderie between that pitcher and catcher where, hey, we're on the same page. You got to be thinking like me. Um, I think that's very beneficial to a pitcher-catcher relationship is I call all the pitches, and this is why. And then all I need you to do is just throw it somewhere in that area, and I'll have your back. I'll frame it up for you, you know? We'll get that guy out. And then once you, we start seeing that click, the better off we're going to be as a pitching staff and the catching staff and the fielding staff because then we can do our defensive alignment based on what that guy's calling behind the plate. It'll take the focus off coaches being so hands-on with the pitches. It'll be, hey, let's this guy's a pool hitter. You know, we're going to live away for a little bit, so maybe we shade. Um, or, hey, be ready. We're going to pull you in, push you back. You know, it gives us a different light to look at if we have a guy controlling the game and basically being another coach behind the plate. So eventually down the road, I would like them to think the game. Um, but for right now, we do call pitches. We do open it up. We'll do like, a, I'd say, a 75-25 split right now. Hopefully next year it will be a 50-50. And then from there on, 25-75 and then 100%, Yeah, you know. Catching is, oh, it's so important when you, when you have a good catcher, just everything is, the game is just completely different. Everybody's locked in more. It's, it's, it's just, it's a man. It's so important. Actually, we're having Devin Masarocco on the podcast here in a couple of weeks and, you know, put caught for the Reds and, um, you know, I'm excited to talk a little bit about him and I'll probably have to pick your brain on some, on what to ask him because I don't know much about the catching position other than you just got to catch it. But, um, you know, I think, you know, to wrap this thing up, you your upcoming season, it's it's by the time this when this episode drops, let's see, it, you guys will just be right around starting practice. So looking ahead for this year, obviously, you want to win the state championship. And that's the goal. But outside of that, what if you could look into the into the future, what would you want to get done this year as a, from a coaching standpoint? So we we stressed this last year, and I think we're going to carry it over into this year um, where we're going to win every day. So we're going to win at practice. We're going to win the week. And then when we win the week, we're going to win the month. And then games are going to start, you know. Then hopefully we're at that mindset of we're going to go out, we're going to bust tail, and then we're going to win that game. And then on to the next game, on to the next game. And once we start stringing a couple wins together, then our focus is win the league, you know, win that big – Rival or rival is Hamilton Baden. So we're going to go beat Baden, but we're also going to win the league, you know, focus on those GCL games that we have. That's our league that we're in. Um, focus on winning the league first, and then we'll go on to the state tournament. Uh, everybody gets in in Ohio, but we're going to try to run through with the best seeds that we can get through, um, win those games and taking it day by day, just win each day. You know, it all starts with practice. It all starts with your scouting report leading up to it. And a lot of that runs on us with game plans and practice plans and putting the right guys out there against the right talent, um, right teams. But I think winning each day is a big focus for us. You can say you're going to win state all day long. And then all of a sudden, I think, I mean, if you think back to us, we over high school career at Patrick, I think we lost what four games total 
between uh, our freshman year to varsity, you know, I think we lost four games, five. And uh, state was always on our mind, but we had a scare our senior year because we were already looking for state. And then all of a sudden we're into the last inning down to our last pitch, you know, and we ended up hitting a walk-off with one of our guys who didn't really see the field a lot, you know? So um, I think that's a big thing for us is just taking it day by day, break down week by week. You win the day, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to go far in the tournament if you just focus on what's ahead of you. So getting those big dreams, yeah, you're going to have that dream, but realizing that it takes multiple steps in that ladder to get to that point, you know, just win each day. That's a big focus. Love it. Love it. Corey, appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been a ton of fun. It's been, you know, a lot of fun just kind of following you and watching you just get better and better as a coach. And I know that your players that you got are very lucky to have someone who just cares more than anything else. So appreciate you coming on and appreciate what you're doing for the game and especially at the high school level, which it's very needed. So, um, you know, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Patrick. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. I enjoyed this episode with Corey Smith, and I think if you stuck around the entire time up until now, I think you did too. Corey's an awesome guy, great coach. So I hope you enjoyed that one. If you haven't, please make sure to head to patrickjonesbaseball.com. There's a video on how to help hitters with timing. I know a lot of people out there have already received that video, and I've received some great feedback on it. So it's free. If you go to patrickjonesbaseball.com, it'll pop up right away. Just put your name and email, and you get sent the 35-minute video on how to help hitters with timing at the plate. This is for players and coaches, parents at any level. I try to make it so no matter who it is, whether it's a professional player or someone in Little League, there's something that you can take away and help people right away. So patrickjonesbaseball.com pop up on timing. I think it's going to help everyone out there who is coaching players or if you are a player yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode with Corey Smith, and we'll see everyone next time.